movie you selected is Ali, starring Will Smith. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roll Call. Bing, 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 bing. TKO, the show where two childless millennials gush over movies and follow an actor's journey from their early years throughout their blockbuster hits. Because let's face it, we're all just chasing the power trip that you felt when you got to knock out your sister and pick out a movie for the weekend. <laughs> Did you steal my line? I was going to say, I would float like a little. <laughs> Instead of hustling my little worker ant ass, I would float my little butterfly ass over to a blockbuster <laughs> and maybe knock out my sister who would pick them. We, who would over get... Yeah, you know the rest. Knock her out. <laughs> who gets to pick the movie? <laughs> All right. First up in the corner, I am Bria. And Real is, in fact, a motherfucker. Word to Bundini, Muhammad Ali's right-hand man. <laughs> And in the next corner, we have heavyweight champion Simone. And there ain't nothing wrong with being cool. Nothing wrong, baby. The birth is slick. And in today's episode, we'll chat about Will Smith and the 2001 biographical sports drama, Ali. So, (laughs) let's take a trip back to December 2001. All right, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to kind of switch things up a little bit today. I am going to talk about movies that were released in tandem with Ali in December because, as we know, in 2001, our world was kind of flipped upside down with 9-11 in September, and um, I know we kind of talked about it last season in Jennifer Lopez's 2001 movie. And so what I kind of wanted to do was just talk about movies that were released. Will Smith and Muhammad Ali actually did a promo when this movie was released talking about Islam and Muslims and um, kind of prompting folks who may be hesitant on seeing the film after the 9-11 events. But then I kind of wanted also to give a little bit of a bio on Muhammad Ali, because although this movie is a biographical film, um, it covers only about 10 years of Muhammad's life. And so I just kind of wanted to do something a little bit different today, if that's all right. This does feel like the Selena of the season. (laughs) (laughs) Without the music, yeah. (laughs) Very important person, very uh, historical person, biography, standout, serious role for Mm -hmm. this actor. And just for me, at least, you know, a feeling of like, we got to get this right, just like Will felt. So can't fuck up the Ali episode. (laughs) Yeah. No pressure. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure. Well, Ali was a Christmas release. It was a December, well-ish, it was December 10th, 2001. Um, And in that month, we also get Ocean's Eleven, a classic, which I feel like we talk about a lot on this show. And Bria, I think one of these days, you and I just need to sit down and watch it. I've watched it. You mean together? Yeah. 
<laughs> okay. We'll have an Ocean's Weekend. Okay. Sounds good. Um, we also have Not Another Teen Movie, which was also released. Vanilla Sky, starring uh, Tom, Tom Cruise. And Penelope <laughs> Cruise. And Penelope Cruise. That's, that's when great. they... Uh, a Beautiful Mind, starring Russell Crowe, was also released. Which was uh, up against Ollie for Best Supporting Actor. Sure was. Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Rings, the first of the trilogy. Uh, Joe Somebody, starring Tim the Toolman Taylor, Tim Allen. How High yes. was on December 21st. Boo foo bitches. Buy us. <laughs> fuck you. Buy our merch on Redbubble. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have The Majestic starring Jim Carrey, uh, which oh. you think was about, it was like the drive in movie theater one? It was a theater. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah. It, it seemed boring. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. it was seems more like a fever dream of a movie than an actual movie. Um, there's also That's something for the parents. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Uh, we have the body starring Antonio Banderas, Kate and mm-hmm. Leopold, with uh, Meg Ryan and Hugh Jackman, and that's pretty much it in terms of like I don't know big blockbuster stuff of you know it's christmas there's gonna be a lot of like christmas movies uh whoopi goldberg makes a movie called call me claws anyways <laughs> moving over those were kind of the big releases of december but this movie in particular as we mentioned it's a biographical sports drama that covers about a 10-year span in muhammad ali's life uh, but for those who don't know here's a little wikipedia history for you muhammad ali was born cassius marcellus clay jr And in 1942, he was an American professional boxer and activist. He was nicknamed The Greatest, which most likely is where we are going to get the, like, nickname GOAT, uh, the greatest of all time. And he's widely regarded as one of the most significant and celebrated sports figures of the 20th century and is frequently ranked as the greatest heavyweight boxer of all time. By 1999, he was named Sportsman of the Century by Sports Illustrated and Sports Personality of the Century by BBC. Now, there are a lot of complicated layers to Muhammad Ali's life. He was born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky. He began training as an amateur boxer by the age of 12. And at 18, he won a gold medal in the light heavyweight division in the 1960s Summer Olympics and turned professional later that year. He additionally became a Muslim in 1961, and he had won the World Heavyweight Championship from Sonny Liston in a major upset, um, which is, I think, where the movie begins in the age by the by the year of 1964. Um, and Muhammad Ali was young at this time. He's only 22. Uh, that year, he also renounced his birth name as a slave name and formerly became known as Muhammad Ali going forward. In 1966, Ali also refused to be drafted into the military, owning to his religious beliefs and ethical, ethical, sorry, ethical opposition to the Vietnam War. He was found guilty of draft evasion and stripped of his boxing titles. However, he managed to stay out of prison while appealing the decision to the Supreme Court, where his conviction ended up being overturned by 1971. He had not fought for nearly four years by this point. He kind of was put on a kind of forced break 
while he was being really heavily scrutinized uh, by the government at this time. And a lot of people, uh, there was a lot of controversy surrounding whether or not he was a patriot or not a patriot. Um, but he, his actions as a like conscientious objector from the Vietnam War ended up making him an icon for the larger 1960s counterculture generation. And he became a very high profile figure of racial pride for African-Americans during the civil rights movement throughout his career, notably uh, for being a very close friend and ally with Malcolm X, who was his former mentor um, prior to his assassination, which was also covered in the film as well. Muhammad Ali fought in several historic boxing matches, such as his highly publicized fight with Sonny Liston, Joe Frazier, which was called the fight of the century, the thriller in Manila with his fight with George Foreman in the rumble in the jungle. And Ali also thrived in the spotlight at a time when many boxers let their managers do the talking. And he ended up becoming really renowned for his very provocative and outlandish persona. I feel like if this movie taught me anything in addition to learning more about Muhammad Ali's life and this time in the 1960s and early 70s was that like i need to up my trash talking game because one of the reasons why he was so famous was that he was known for his trash talking and often freestyle with rhyming schemes and spoken word poetry um and sometimes even predicted the outcomes of the matches in his interviews um in 19, uh, later on in his career, by 1984, he makes a public diagnosis with Parkinson's syndrome and uh, officially bows out during uh, at this time and just kind of retires. Um, he still will make some public appearances, but they become frequent or less frequent and fewer by this time. But when this movie was being made, Muhammad Ali really wanted Will Smith to play this role and often joked that he's the only person that's almost as good looking as me to play him, to which Will Smith would also like very lovingly joke back like, I'm almost too good looking to be playing you so i feel like personality wise they both really matched each other's energy level um i know we'll talk about this in the interview segment but will smith really took a lot of time and dedication with preparation for this role it was over a year of different form of exercises and putting on weight and watching endless clips of uh, Muhammad Ali in the boxing ring and speaking, learning how to speak like him and using his dialect and stuff. So when they were promoting this film, sometimes they would be able to do it together, which was really great to see. I know, you know, that would have obviously been a really neat aspect to have been able to see that with Selena, but especially in other biographical films, regardless of not whether they're sports, it's rare that the person is still alive or if they are, that they're like, willing to do guest appearances with the people that are playing them. So there is a little sneak peek. Obviously, there's a lot more. Apparently, he holds the Guinness Book World of Guinness Book of World Records of the most written about person just because there's so many things that he's famous for in addition for being a boxer. So he lived a very, very full life, passed away in 2016, which really wasn't that long ago in the scope of things, only about six years ago. So I look forward to talking about this movie today because there's lots of things to discuss. 
<laughs> yeah, I feel like this is going to be a long one. <laughs> um, Bria, th- did you find, uh, were there any jet cover magazines or notable things about Will Smith in your pop culture corner today? Uh, yeah, well, Will was on the cover of Jet, absolutely. He was also on the cover of GQ for the second Ooh. time. He, When I seen this cover before, just looking at other magazine stuff, I thought he was just wearing a robe, but he's actually wearing the fighting robe that he wears in the film for the fight in the jungle which has like cool tribal African uh, print on the bottom and on the sleeves Mm -hmm. so I didn't pick that up till after the movie unfortunately GQ is like has its own private archive that you need to be like a secret service agent to get into I tried to find it there is a copy on eBay for like four bucks so maybe Maybe I'll buy it. Um, Was it like twenty dollars shipping? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it was four. It was like eight. Okay, right, that's not bad. Like honestly, you end up spending sometimes that much on magazines in store, anyways. Yeah, I really wish I could find like someone who has like a hoard of all like a bunch of Will yeah. Smith magazines, but you know it is what it is. So unfortunately, I wasn't able to read his interview in that GQ. But um, you know, I'm no surprise he's on the cover of Jet. He's also on the cover of like Premier Movie Magazine. So he keeping his cover boy status, you know what I'm saying? All right. I'm surprised he wasn't on the cover of Ebony or something. There is an Ebony cover though with like. Uh, couples and I believe him and Jada are on that so stuff like that too at this time I think they were already like visually out there as a couple but I think people are paying more attention to them around this time as a couple because of this movie and like the kids and all that stuff but I did find some very light ish hearted um (laughs) pop culture moments on essence Ooh. uh 15 very black moments we need to revisit from 2001 so <laughs> i wanted to skip this one but i <laughs> their number one is shrek <laughs> <laughs> and it's really because of eddie murphy yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and yeah. donkey and all that entails i mean shrek obviously is a cultural touch point for a lot of millennials and zillennials those borderline kids who like late 90s early 2000s so i mean maze movie hell my great nephew likes shrek so yeah uh, timeless Number two, I'm really excited to talk about because I don't know if we'll ever talk about this in depth in any ways, but Beyonce makes her debut acting role, and I would say more so in a film because Homegirl was on Smart Guy, so mm -mm -mm. (laughs) but she stars in 2001's Carmen, a hip hopera, which was on MTV, and yeah, and it brought a hip hop spin to the classic 1875 opera. Opera, Carmen, which notably yeah. was starred in also by Dorothy Dandridge. So um, interesting movie. I, of course, sopped it up as a kid because I was like, ooh, Beyonce. Absolutely. Does it hold up? I don't know. <laughs> like, I I haven't watched it in a really long time. So. Me either. Yeah. And so she's alongside Mackay Pfeiffer and she's like singing, rapping in this. It's got like a bit of a musical feel to it. I do remember being extremely saddened that they were like, oh, you're going to die before you become the star you think you're going to become. And I was like, 
that damaged me. <laughs> yeah. But notably, Beyonce is not some people's favorite actor but or actress. But I will say that from this to, let, let me think, like maybe Dream Girls or even Cadillac Records. Yeah, yeah Definitely yeah, yeah. some growth. Yeah. So she may not be Academy Award winning yet, but, you know, there was some progress made. Right. Um, what is the early 2000s without mentioning... Or the 90s, either, without mentioning the, you know, pivotal artist that is Missy Elliott. Because Mm. in 2001, she came out with her album, Miss E, so addictive with the songs One Minute Man and Get Uh, Your Freak On. Yes. And, I mean, (laughs) right? Like, just immediate bop, get to the dance floor, and then letting all the men know, hey, Break us off. Show me what you got. I don't want no one minute man. (laughs) (laughs) Which also as a kid, didn't know what the fuck that meant. But was I singing it? Absolutely. For sure. (laughs) Sure was. And number four, we have another cultural icon. This album, my favorite album of hers, just nostalgic reasons. But Alicia Keys comes out in 2001. 20 years old, Songs of A Minor, wins five Grammys, Mm. rocking the braids. I had the Alicia Keys braids. I probably mentioned this before. I was, you know, at my desk in class pretending like I was playing a piano. (laughs) Like, (laughs) fall in was everywhere. It was just such a big pivot from like the pop stars and the girl groups to see a musician become this like huge star overnight where Mm -hmm. it's like oh my god she plays an instrument like and not to shit on those who don't because i love them but you know it is a game change and playing the piano and incorporating that with elements of r&b i feel like is rare or at least maybe not rare but it just seemed like a very new like mixing up the genre a little bit i don't know yeah i would i would say in more so like elements of hip-hop r&b because mm-hmm. i mean you have stevie wonder ray charles like, yeah 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 yeah, yeah. You know, little richard foundation but a woman of, to do it yeah which i believe there's a woman i think hazel um something who was a genius piano player but yeah it's it was still a game changer and we i'm kind of surprised we haven't seen like the fruits of the alicia keys tree yet i would say her maybe the closest thing but you know i was thinking about that i was like i'm surprised we haven't got like another young pianist like urban girl mm-hmm. from you know who grew up watching alicia keys and you know, but maybe she's out there somewhere. Uh, <laughs> number five, what is, you know, early aughts? Again, too, without P. Diddy, because, you know, after being acquitted from his shooting and getting J-Lo arrested, <laughs> um, he released the one and only album, The Saga Continues, under the moniker P. Diddy. And I remember that was a big thing, kind of like Muhammad Ali. He changed mm-hmm. his name and it was mm-hmm. like, what? We can't call you Puffy now or Puff Daddy? What's mm. P. Diddy? What does that mean? Mm. And he's changed it since. Um, but, you know, I believe like the song, We Ain't Going go- Nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> I believe that song is on that album. Yeah. Number six, Rush Hour 2 comes out. You know, amazing series. Problematic in today's a- day and age. But, you know, 
had us all wanting a black friend or Asian friend, probably, (laughs) Um, practicing our kung fu moves. Number seven, we've got a very important album in the world of hip hop. Jay-Z's The Blueprint comes out in 2001. And not just on any day. Unfortunately, it actually came out on September 11th, which didn't, I don't think, hurt it in any kind of way. Yeah. But the blueprint is really the blueprint for a lot of newer-ish hip-hop artists. People like Drake, I'm sure, were inspired by the blueprint. Uh, Lil Wayne, his The Carter series. Jay-Z has had three blueprint albums. Or wait, like four by now? So, you know, just a pivotal, pivotal album at that time. Um, Number eight, a classic, The Proud Family comes out in 2001. Yay! Which, I mean, diversity, representation, all the things, amazing cartoon. Mm-hmm. I've rewatched it in the Panini and it still holds up for me. Um, the pop have you culture. Watched the, oh, we've talked about the remake, how they like have. I, I oh. have not. Okay. Yeah, I've been trying to get there by rewatching it. Like I'm still in my rewatch, but okay. So when you're a bit when you've been rewatching, that's when they have those like J Lo, yeah, jokes, right? Okay, yeah, that makes sense. It's like J Lo is at Wasiyanika's party. <laughs> like <laughs> and I was like, see, J Lo was that girl. Like y'all want to rewrite history, but like we were there, and mm-hmm. she was that girl. She was on Vibe. She's in the Proud Family. She's very much included in Ask aspects of black culture as well michael jackson's 30th anniversary concert which besides honoring michael jackson just has so many iconic moments of other the performances that took place destiny's child performed usher performed that was the night everyone was concerned about whitney houston because she looked real thin and i remember the news and the magazines of pictures of her like the national Enquirer shitty magazine like that of like how thin's too thin and Whitney and all this stuff Chris Tucker just so many moments like that or I can picture in my mind of just that like tremendous event I've that's like one of those must-see tv things that doesn't happen anymore that was probably a pay-per-view thing yeah no I feel like it was like on MTV or something it was a two-part concert it was filmed in New York. It was the day before September 11th, which, what, right, crazy. So, like, you have all these celebrities probably in New York for this, and then September 11th happens. Like, somebody needs to do, like, a documentary on, like, that after, like, math, because yeah. that was crazy. Um, yeah, just interesting, probably, to go back, think about. Number 10 Training Day, which robbed this man of his Oscar, but got Denzel his first, um, Mm -hmm. you know, huge movie, put Ethan Hawke, I feel like, on a very different map. Um, It grossed $76 million, just an amazing movie, but is it the movie that Denzel deserved an Oscar for? A lot of people don't think so so hmm. interesting um number 11 again what's the 2000s without the bop maker himself summer jam classic maker jaw rule like his album pain is love came out top selling artist you have to think at this time i believe like 
if I recall in my JLo vault of facts, <laughs> um, I'm Real was chart topping mm-hmm. at this time or around September in 2001. It was like the number one song, mm-hmm. Always on Time, would come out later that year, which is the first time we get to hear and see Ashanti mm-hmm. living it up just, you know, everywhere, everywhere. So, Ja Rule. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, everywhere. Also, another rapper on the come up, also everywhere, making us, when I move, you move. Just Ludacris. like that. Yes. I mean, the wrong album. By this time, I think, I'm trying to think what song. Maybe, like, <laughs> I hate to sing this song. Roll Out, Move Bitch. I don't know if Roll Out, I think Roll Out might have been on this album, but his album, Word of Mouth, with the F. Oh. Cause he's from the dirty south. Um, it comes out. I, um, what is that? I wanna li- 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 lick f- you from your head to your yes. toes. What the fuck is that song called? Um, <laughs> you make so good, I don't wanna leave, but I gotta. Oh, fantasy. What's your fantasy? Yeah, yes. but I gotta. No, no, no. no what, what's your fantasy to see? I wanna get you yeah. back seat, windows up. <laughs> That's probably one that I know every word to. <laughs> That's one that the dirty version still surprises me. I'm like, oh. That's I a didn't... clutch your pearls moment. And you're like, oh. Yeah. Uh. My parents were not playing that version. Mm. So um, number 13 is an iconic photo shoot. Iman is telling her story via images. And so she drops a book, I Am Iman. And in the book, there's this iconic photo of all the black top supermodels at the time that was also featured in Vanity Fair. I don't know if you can see this, Simone. But it's it's like all these black supermodels, Tyra, Naomi, which, you know, at that time, they weren't the bestest of friends. Also, for those Real Housewife Bravo fans out there, Cynthia Bailey is in here right smack dab in the middle. But just an amazing Beverly Pill, like just an amazing display of black women and gorgeous black women, a lot of them darker skinned as well. So mm-hmm. that is definitely an image seared in my mind. Number 14, a classic sitcom comes to air and amongst many at this time because you have to think the kings of comedy just like was one of those things where everyone got a piece of something at some point so you had like the steve harvey show eventually cedric the entertainer had a show the hughley's but the bernie mac show oh yeah america Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he was everybody's uncle the fear that i have in me that i'm gonna inherit somebody's kids <laughs> like um <laughs> such an iconic show at the time and especially the point of view of him like breaking the fourth wall and talking to the camera yes yeah that was i know not yeah. done very con- like very often yeah it's it's just uh, so good and i think it's aged pretty well for a sitcom of course there's always some problematic things somewhere like his policing of Vanessa and her agency as a young woman maturing but that's you know unfortunately misogyny is a beast that we're still 
trying to conquer. And number 15, you mentioned this. This to me is a classic, or at least a Black Hood classic. How High, this is a movie I watched. <laughs> Unfortunately, I want to say I associate this with my sister and my brother-in-law. <laughs> my brother-in-law reminds me a lot of like Method Man or Red Man yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember watching this a lot. There so many iconic lines, like I said, boo-foo, bias, fuck you, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I need money and his little grill all of those things you have amazing women in here like lark vuries from mm-hmm. saved by the bell and essence atkins of mm-hmm. smart guy fame mm-hmm. in here taking on some kind of mature roles but yes. uh, i love this movie it's a 420 classic yeah it's like one of the only stoner movies i actually like so shall we get into the box office yes now i understand even though this movie um you know we have a nomination for john voight which if you didn't tell me it was john voight i wouldn't have known i had like i can't never mind we'll get to it when we get to it and then will smith getting their uh best actor and best supporting actor nominations um i heard a little birdie rumor that box office money wise this movie didn't do as commercially successful so i am curious to hear those numbers yeah it did not unfortunately and where was i reading i don't know i've read so much stuff because like ali people wrote a lot about this movie and had a lot of opinions but i read somewhere and it could be screen rent deadline somewhere screen slam sorry deadline somewhere but that this the that this may not have done as well because of the lord of the rings because really because lord of the rings that's what did it that's what i read someone blame it on was like the lord of the rings was just like that movie at the time so but budget wise we have a budget of 107 million dollars estimated fun fact it is noted that les not leslie man (laughs) (laughs) that michael mann and will smith also put up some money themselves to get where they felt like this movie needed to be if the budget wasn't enough. So there might be missing dollars somewhere in there that was undisclosed. The gross... Okay, wait. Opening weekend in U.S. and Canada was $14.7 million weekend of December the 30th, 2001. The gross in U.S. and Canada was only $58.2 million. So about half of the budget. And then gross worldwide was $87.8 million. Oh, okay. Yeah. Didn't even get close to (laughs) coming back with the budget. But I feel like this is one of those movies in retrospect that, you know, kind of just deserved to be made and didn't need to be like some huge cultural i mean not cultural but some huge blockbuster you know like Mm -hmm. it's more important of the story that's being told so even though that's sad i feel like it doesn't really make or break the iconicness of this film especially Mm -hmm. given like the nominees and the critical acclaim and stuff simone the house of orange yes not so impressed by ali the fuck? No. Because I know he liked Legends of Bagger Vance. He gave that, what, like three, three and a half stars? Yeah. Um, what do you think? What do you think our man Lil Raj 
well, as damn, you wear it's... him on your chest. What do you think? Uh, patooey, patooey, Raj. <laughs> Man, even legends have their bad days, I guess. Okay, so if he didn't like it, I'm guessing it's going to be two or less. So I'm guessing two or one and a half. Two. Damn, half credit, little Raj. <laughs> so, oh, and I don't know if you saw, but there's a, a snippet of him and Siskel talking about Ollie on YouTube. I did YouTube. not, because since it wasn't my turn to do the ratings, I wanted to stay away from it, but I did see. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty short, but <laughs> he it's, it's interesting to hear his uh, opinion and like his... Uh, I don't know, like his boisterousness of like whether yes. or not he liked something. Yes. So uh, his review gets straight to the point. Starts off coming in hot. Okay. Like a beat, like a right jab to your face. Ali is a long, flat, curiously muted film <laughs> about the heavyweight champion. <laughs> it okay. lacks much of the flash, fire, and humor, humor of Muhammad Ali and is shot more in the tone of a eulogy than a celebration. There is little joy here. The film is long and plays longer because it permits itself sequences that are drawn out to inexplicable length while hurrying past others that should have been dramatic high point. It feels like an unfinished rough cut that might play better after editing. Hmm. Um, he notes the scene in uh, Zaire where Ali is running and then he goes off the path and he mm-hmm. goes through the village and then all the people are running with him and cheering him on. Um, and he thinks that that should have been cut shorter, which I have notes and opinions on Mr. Ebert. Um, <laughs> the film considers, obviously, 10 years of Ali's life from 64 to 74. And it's a key decade in mm-hmm. Ali's life. But, you know, it's cut in half by three years when he was barred from boxing. So this is just movie uh synopsis stuff yeah yeah yeah. um so he goes on to say about michael mann michael mann's story of these 10 years is told in the style of events overheard this isn't a documentary but it seems to lack a fiction's privileged access to its hero key scenes play out in enigmatic snippets of dialogue we work to make connections. We see Ollie's wives, but don't feel we know them. They fade in and out like fo- a focus, like ghosts. The screenplay by Eric Roth and Mann seems reluctant to commit to a point of view and leaves us to draw our own conclusions during some scenes. You can almost sense it shrugging. Shrugging, sorry. Ali remains an enigma. Hmm. He does note that this is actually a good job of acting by Will Smith and that he looks convincing in the ring, but the key element of his performance is capturing Ali's enigmatic improvisational personality. Um, And there are times when he grows distant from even those close... Oh, sorry, that's about Ali. Um, (laughs) Anyways, uh, he says the real problem with Smith's performance is the movie it finds itself in. Smith is the right actor for Ali, but this is the wrong movie. Smith Hmm. is sharp, fast, funny, like the Ali of trash-talking fame, but the movie doesn't unleash that side of him or his character. Ali was not only the most famous man of his time, but had fun with his fame. I can't claim any special insights, but he did spend a day with Ali. And I saw... Roger? (laughs) A little humble brag. Okay. (laughs) 
And he says, I saw a man enormously entertained by life, twinkling with bemusement, lowering the tinted glass window of his Rolls limousine so that pedestrians could do a double take when they saw it was the champ. Smith could play that man, but Ali doesn't know or see him. It sees Ali as more meditative and subdued, as sad sometimes when sadness is the last thing you feel when you risk everything on principle. The film feels like it's under a cloud. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> clearly Roger Ebert not impressed with the overall story that's going on in mm-hmm. the video of him and Siskel. That was like one of his like emphatic points was just like there's no arc here like what are they trying to tell us or show us like there's nothing here that is like you know getting us from a to b or whatever it's just like we're just going through the motions kind of Mm. of the story of who ollie was and there are things that he felt like we didn't need to see or cut like did we need to see another a retelling of Malcolm X's assassination could it have been enough to just show Ali finding out and reacting versus going through the whole like actual act probably the same thing with Martin Luther King's assassination mm-hmm. like what was the point of showing that stuff like that so I feel like I understand where Roger is coming from in terms of like just a pure movie standpoint but I think I just feel like these cultural movies, it's hard to be critical of because they're doing so much more than just like movieing. So I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm curious, you know, Lil Raj gave it two stars, but how many, we getting out the big jumbo tub for this? How many pumps of butter are we pumping tonight? So it's hard to, I think, capture a full a full scope of someone's life in a movie. You know, with Selena, we see this storytelling of early childhood, even before she was born, with her father being in um, Los Dinos, yeah. um, and then the like growing up of the Selena and the family band, and then you know her up comments as a star so but i don't think that that was michael mann's purpose was to tell this like full story from birth to not he couldn't even do death because upon the release muhammad ali was still alive so like upon birth and like career wise maybe but like i had said earlier this is someone who lived a very full and interesting life and had a lot of things that people could talk about and so i i feel like the movie we did a pretty good job capturing what those 10 years of life was like. And maybe they, Michael Mann's purpose of including um, Malcolm X's assassination. I mean, that's purposeful since Malcolm and Muhammad were close. And even covering the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., you know, maybe adds to that historical piece of the time that what life was like at that time. So I'm I'm giving Ali three and a half pumps of butter. I enjoyed watching it, although right now you can only watch it for free on a streaming app called Pluto TV. And there are a lot of commercials. It's like 
10 minutes of it's like watching it on live TV. It's like 10 minutes and then like the same, you know, five commercials or whatever in a row. And so for me, as someone who like struggles with attentiveness, it felt a lot longer than the movie actually was. And so I would highly suggest like just buying or downloading a full version of it without the commercial so that you can really be more immersed in the story. Yeah, because it's a long ass movie. It is. Yeah, it is long. So with the commercials, it felt like watching Titanic on TV. It was it was a little tough. But, you know, overall, I really I mean, this cast is amazing. And I didn't take a lot of notes, which is rare for me because I just found that I was just watching. There wasn't a lot to take notes on because I felt like it was very clear that this stylized version of acting was very different from Will Smith. I love when actors go through like body mods and transformations and like really dedicate themselves to the person and the role and the character, the persona that they're playing. So I I really enjoyed it. So three and a half pumps for me. What about you? I don't know. I'm torn. I feel like it could easily for me be three. Um, and then I feel like we're some very generous loving pumps away from four i just think in retrospect to this day this is a big point in will's career so Mm -hmm. it's hard to like shrug at that even though he won the oscar for king richard i still think ali is like kind of a not bigger better but just a more pivotal and important role like in his career so i haven't seen king richard yet but i that is an i'll definitely mentally lock that (laughs) mentally yeah when we get there he'd be like uh didn't you say this was not as good as ollie that's not what i'm saying by the way no no no. i get it i get it i get it i'm just saying that i think (laughs) this is just a huge moment in Will's career yes. and a game changer. And yes. I think that there is tons of butter that needs to be pumped for, <laughs> for that. Like, yeah. you know, we talk about six degrees of separation as this, you know, key moment and seeing that, okay, he's not just the fresh print and he's not just this rapper turned actor. Like he could actually, you know, get act, act. He's acting, and then, acting. We get glimpses in Bad Boys. We get glimpses in Enemy of the State. We get, you know, a real kind of turn at Legend of Badger Vance. (laughs) Bagger Vance. I knew that. Um, And so, and that, that was so kind of like for him to do that and then turn around and do something like this, I feel like makes up for all the bullshit that was in Bagger Vance, you know, as good of a message. Like, that had a fucking arc, so props to that. But, like, I don't know. So, anyways, I don't know. Maybe I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go for it. I'm gonna be overzealous. I'm gonna give it four pumps of butter and call it a day. I would say, I mean, it's, it's a deserved four pumps. I think my reservation to add that half pump was maybe because of the length. And after you had mentioned little Raj's piece of, you know, focusing on certain elements, it's like, was this a biographical telling of just him as a sports legend? Was this a biographical telling of him as a Muslim man, as an activist, as someone who had multiple marriages 
infidelity like how are you going to try and weave those pieces in there yeah so I I think I reserve my like half pump of trying to it's not so much the focus because the focus is just I I felt like there was a clear focus there in that there was no thing it was just like all these things and with a man that's complicated like Muhammad Ali that accomplished so much was controversial in the sports world but huge and earned all of these titles and then took time off and then went back at it again like it's difficult to try and capture all of that in a almost three hour movie it's like 245 or something like that so yeah I think my half pump comes from the fact that as i said when we started is that you know this is a huge important person and you know kind of like again important movie for will so i feel like the intention behind this movie is pure and i feel like i can't hate on that like yeah so we'll talk about that more as when we talk about will and his choices and whatnot in interviews but shall we get into the cast of this star-studded affair let's do it so will uh this movie obviously stars will smith as the leading role cassius clay forward slash muhammad ali um jamie fox as drew bundini brown and for those who don't know will and jamie are about the same age i think they're a year year and a half apart from each other but yet their age gap looked like an age gap in this movie and so that was very impressive we also have john voight our favorite anaconda snakeskin daddy and <laughs> um, as the sportscaster Howard Kozell. And he also went through like six hours in the chair every day for hair and makeup for this to really look that part. Now you can hear John Voigt's voice when he speaks, but looks wise, just totally different. Uh, there's also Mario Van Peebles, who plays Malcolm X, Ron mm-hmm. Silver, who plays Angelo Dundee, Jeffrey Wright as Howard Bring- uh, Bingham, who was a like journalist who kind of, and like photographer who followed um, Muhammad Ali throughout his career. Tell me if I'm pronouncing this name wrong. McKelty Williamson. I think that's fine. <laughs> okay. As Don King, Jada Pinkett Smith as Muhammad Ali's first wife, Sonji. Nona Gay as Belinda Ali, the second wife. Uh, Michael Michelle as Veronica Porsche, who Muhammad Ali had an affair with. Um, he wound up marrying her, and but he the movie stops her. before there. Correct. Giancarlo Esposito as Cassius Clay Sr., Muhammad Ali's dad, who, again, I think they're only 10 they're years like apart. They're like 10 years apart, yeah. Yeah. LeVar Burton, butterfly in the sky. <laughs> I can fly twice as high as Martin Luther King Jr., although that role is really, really small, but still <laughs> an icon. Um and we also have another six degrees, Bruce McGill, who was just in Legends of Bagra Vance, uh, plays a really small role, someone named Bradley, a lots of, of great, great actors. I, I know I might be missing a few. Is there anyone else important that you'd like to mention? Um, Papa Pope, Olivia Pope's daddy, Joe Morton, another infamous in a lot of things black actor. Mm -hmm. Um, he actually played, or did he play? No, he didn't play Malcolm X. He was in a TV movie about Malcolm X. And then Paul Rodriguez Sr., P-Rod's daddy, um, who was also in Made in America. 
and there's some very uh, salacious news regarding him and how he was treated on Ollie by Will oh. Smith. What? Wait, what? 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 I didn't hear this. Um. So when I was looking up stuff, this came up. And as of lately, after everything that happened at the Oscars, you know, I feel like people who have been holding on to something <laughs> regarding Will. But Paul Rodriguez is one of the few people who are like, yeah, he was really an asshole to me when we were making Ali. Hmm. And he thinks that it was because the person he was playing, Dr. Ferdy Pacheco, actually had an altercation with Will and called him the N-word. And so from that point on, he felt like Will was taking it really personally and against him because he was playing that character yeah um and that because of will's treatment then the rest of the cast started acting similarly towards him and no matter what he kind of said or did like it was not good enough and stuff um i do want to note too that john voight i guess talked to him and was like you know he is a method actor in some mm-hmm. senses and he's really into this role right now and he has an immense amount of pressure on him in regards to just the subject matter of the movie producing the movie all that stuff like a lot of that is on his shoulders right now so like maybe don't take it personal right now like finish filming let things play out and maybe things will get better yeah. i don't think they ever got better so I'll be honest, I have a hard time picking a side regarding that because part of me is like, Ali is like, what, 20 years ago now? And you're bringing this back up now because, you know, everyone's shitting on him at this time. But then again, like, you know, sometimes when people treat you poorly, that just sticks with you. And Paul Rodriguez feels like that in part fucked up his career because his Hmm. role got cut. So he should have been in the movie more, I guess. And because of that, you know, maybe opportunities were missed because if people had seen him in this Oscar nominated type film, you know, maybe that would have opened up doors for him in other ways. So I absolutely understand that part of it. But I'm the thing that I'm hesitant to be like, fuck Will Smith about is like the rest of the cast jumping on board because I feel like that doesn't just happen, like, off of nothing. Yeah, that they, like, someone else could have confirmed or verified that that's true. I don't know. I I find that interesting, though. So, sorry, Paul Rodriguez, that you did not enjoy shooting yeah. this um, film. But um, let's talk about some of these performances, though, by some of these co-stars. I want to talk about Jamie Foxx, just because... Yes. Up until this point, Jamie Foxx from In Living Color to to Ali, you know, he has the Jamie Foxx show. He's in Any Given Sunday, The Players Club, my fave, Booty Claw. Um, (laughs) Both those, actually, The Players Club and Booty Claw. Just seeing Um, you, like, watching the movie. (laughs) But, you know, he hasn't had, like, I think Any Given Sunday might have been a bit of a turning point for him. But he was very much on the rise, and obviously he did the skits in Big Willie style, and people really saw him more as a comedian than a serious dramatic actor. Obviously, we know eventually he plays Ray, also wins an Oscar, and continues to like up his game. But there's an interview with Will on YouTube where 
he talks about how, you know, he saw kind of that within yes. Jamie. He's like, I don't know if he knows it, but he has it. And yeah. like, you know, and I think that's amazing to see that because I think comedians great at being funny, but I think they don't get enough props for when they do go serious, like him, Jim yeah. Carrey, you know, because yes. it's, it's not so much of a jump as we think it is i feel like mm-hmm. but it's still like super just like oh my god unexpected and then bless him his paycheck must have been worth it for that haircut that he had to <laughs> endure i don't know if that, that was his spot. hair yeah yeah I don't know if that was his hair or like they worked out some kind of prosthetic and wig situation. Yeah. But if he legit shaved his head like that and was walking around like that, then like, you know, hats hats off. To yeah. Him. Yeah. That's what made me look up when I like, I guess probably within the first like 15, 20 minutes of the movie when Bandini approaches Ali and is like, I want to work for you. I want to represent you, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I had to Google how old is Jamie Foxx? How old is Will Smith? And then when I realized that they're about the same age, I was like, God damn, like they (laughs) made him look old. Yeah. And it's probably that wig or the, you know, the hair piece or something that they had done. But I mean, Bandini too also struggled with alcohol addiction and, you know, was a little bit all over the place. But I think you have you bring up a really good point about when comedic actors make this turn to serious roles and you when you mentioned Jim Carrey specifically I remember as a teen when Jim Carrey started doing Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind the Truman Show number 23 like all these serious roles I used to scoff and be like stick to your lane Jim <laughs> like you ha- you're good as a comedic actor like but now obviously as I'm older I can understand and appreciate someone wanting to improve on their craft or try something different. Or maybe you're tired of doing comedies and you don't want to be like pigeonholed in this one type of roles. I do think for comedic actors, it probably takes some time to shift from, you know, things like a fire marshal bill or um, I want to say Jamie Foxx's like big skit was like Wanda or something where he's like a lady and he like poked his lips out and stuff like that. But, you know, to to take those ingrained images of these dudes being ridiculously silly out of your mind mm-hmm. and be like, okay, now I'm supposed to believe that they're like these real people with real problems and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But I commend him. I think he obviously did super well in this role. Yes. Doing that. Let's take, talk about your snake daddy, John Boy, <laughs> uh, also known as King of Dr. Pepper. <laughs> um, yeah, and also government asshole and enemy of the state. So this yes. is the second time working with Will Smith. I thought that their working relationship at this movie was really cute. I liked the like witty banter that was, you know, spoken between the two and And that it didn't seem to affect their, like, regular relationship. Like, when Ali was exhumed of charges from not, 
you know, joining the Vietnam War. Whether or not this is historically true or not, it was Howard Cosell that called Muhammad and his household, in the movie at least, that said, like, they're dropping the charges, congratulations, and stuff. Like, it seemed like, even though they kind of gave each other shit and a hard time about their hair or um, their performance in the boxing ring or something, like, they still kind of really respected each other. Now, I don't know a lot about Howard Cosell and his, like, real like actual life um but again i'm thinking of the new batman movie that was just released and how um colin farrell played the penguin and if you didn't know it was colin farrell you wouldn't know it was colin farrell and yeah i was actually really impressed with this john voight character of like because i was sitting and watching the movie and was like he's top build like he is number three next to after will smith and jamie fox so where is he because he's very recognizable and then i looked it up and i was like motherfucker it's the, it's the sportscaster guy i thought that was impressive i his yeah. character's pretty minor actually i feel like almost malcolm x mario van peebles had more of a dialogue or more speaking time even though he was in the movie less than john i think it i think that obviously malcolm x is just a bigger deal in presence like you know that okay this is malcolm x so like whatever he's saying and talking about is like of importance in the scheme of things whereas like these moments with uh howard cosell are kind of like these cute espn moments of you know muhammad ali talking crap trying to get back into fighting trying to make you know a point for him to be able to fight still or calling out people to try to get the public to support him like yeah we want to see him in frazier absolutely like mm-hmm. we pay you know so I, I because Howard Cosell obviously is in the movie till the end, really. Yeah, so yeah. I'm curious if you did figure out how long they have in the movie, who would win. But I just think Malcolm X just seemed like more important when he was on screen. Yeah, agreed. Now I will. I just looked this up in real life. I mean, they were. I don't want, I don't even, I don't know if like friends is the right word, but Howard Cosell died in 1995. He was born in 1918. So he was like very much older. Muhammad Ali had went to his funeral, which I feel shows a definite sign of respect. But overall, I liked and enjoyed the role. Yeah. Um, Mario Van Peebles. I mean, I don't (sighs) want this to be controversial, but I just think he looked more like Malcolm than Denzel did in the Malcolm X movie. So I really liked his portrayal of Malcolm. Um, And Mario Van Peebles is just sexy. I was going to say, I was like, he's a sexy man. (laughs) Yes. So I I really enjoyed his portrayal of Malcolm X, which has been another role that's kind of been done by numerous people. So there's definitely different, like, options out there. So to hold his own in this movie with this cast and stuff, I think was great. And then... um, what was I going to say? I do th- agree with Roger Ebert that we didn't need to see Malcolm X. That, like, when that happened, I was like, do we need all this right now? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. But I feel like either that's, like, a creative choice in trying to be like, this is how real shit 
was back then, especially with like hinting at like the FBI surveillance and right. all that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, I I enjoyed his um his contribution to this lovely picture. Mm-hmm. And then Jeffrey Wright is someone who's kind of worked really hard to make a name for himself. Kind of always had these like smallish roles here and there. I think his one of his standout performances is him as Muddy Waters in Cadillac Re- Records. Yes. And this role, he plays someone who's like always there, but not really, you know, because he's a photographer. So yeah. he's there to capture the moments. And there's so many parts of the movie where I'm like trying to think about like like when Ollie was running through the village, you know, or like when they first go um, somewhere mm-hmm. and he's like on the back of the car taking pictures and Ollie's like in the in the car waving and stuff. I'm like, these have to be real pictures that they're like kind of recreating these moments. Mm-hmm. And even during the rumble in the jungle when he's like, you know, under the uh, ring, like snapping away and stuff. I'm like, oh, like, I know the pictures from this fight where he's like standing over Foreman and stuff like that after mm-hmm. he knocks him out. So um, his presence definitely felt. But, you know, he's more of a like be seen, not heard type of guy. So, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. And speaking of Batman, he played Commissioner Gordon in yes. the new remake of the Batman movie. So Don King is played by McKelty Williamson, mm-hmm. who many might know as Bubba in Forrest Gump. Yes! And he's been in various other things. He was in Fences with Denzel. Um, uh-huh. Something I <laughs> unfortunately remember him from is Waiting to Exhale. He plays uh, Troy, which is the guy that Layla Rashawn dates, who is outside and is like, you raggedy bitch, <laughs> like, which is a, a popular gif. But... <laughs> That Don King hair, woo, like, Mm -hmm. he pulled it off. He pulled it off, I will say. (laughs) Also, another rhymer. I feel like he probably had some of the hardest lines in the movie. Let's talk about the ladies of this movie, because Muhammad Ali was a ladies' man. (laughs) So Jada Pinkett Smith plays the role of Muhammad Ali's first wife, Sanji, and she, in real life, um, was like an ex-Playboy bunny cocktail waitress. They kind of meet at this little jazz club. And the scenes that they, she's in it very briefly for the movie because their marriage only lasted a year or two because they got married quickly after their first date. Um, Ali, not forced, but was like, hey, you got to convert to Islam and become a Muslim if you want to marry me, which Sanji was like not always down for. Um, Their relationship, as brief as it was on screen, I got little sprinkles of El Cantante in there. Yes. A little bit of uh, Pucci and Hector vibes, um, although not as tumultuous, maybe. But, you know, I, I thought that they're like, they're, the scene where they're having sex when they come back from the nightclub, like, it felt very intimate. And I think it's just because, obviously, Will and Jada have that established relationship and intimacy but god i just i thought she looked so beautiful and that like 1960s hairstyle and her makeup and i just i love this era of clothing and hair anyways but i thought she looked so beautiful i thought she looked good i 
I do feel like I knew the wig was a wig, yeah. though. So it, it gave me very much like Dream Girls and yes. Supremes and yes, stuff. Yes, it did. I do feel like acting wise, like I felt like it was just Jada being Jada in some aspects, especially because she's the firecracker wife. Yeah. And so she is like, I'm not, I'm submissive to you. Okay. These other brothers X and Z, I'm not listening to them and they can't tell me what to do. And so I was like, oh my God, you can't take the girl out of Baltimore, but you cannot take (laughs) the Baltimore out of the girl. Um, It's very much giving me peaches and all the woos and uh, stuff, other roles she's done. But um, I do I do think that her and Will's chemistry really paid off on screen, which can yeah. be a hit or miss with real-life couples. Um, they did Oprah. T- well, Will did Oprah, and Jada came on as well. And so uh, she talks about not wanting to be in the movie with him. And she had just committed to do The Matrix the sequels and she had just had willow and she hadn't been on screen and she knew michael mann is like this perfectionist like type director so she's like i don't know if i could be all that right now um but she did do it and she does say that she did have fun she enjoyed working with her husband which too was like a gamble because it's like i don't know what's gonna be like working together like are you gonna be trying to boss me around and tell me what to do (laughs) and stuff like that and so i think I really enjoyed that Oprah interview overall because, you know, Will, Jada, and him, little baby Jaden comes out with Jada. Um, Muhammad Ali comes out and talks. So that's a great interview that I'll definitely post clips of. Yes. But I thought I thought it was very interesting that she didn't want to do it and was kind of like not uh, gung-ho about it. So hmm. um, for that, I give her a good job. Well done. Um, and she really enjoyed spending time with her husband because again they had just had a baby so (laughs) oddly enough even though the sex scenes are awkward to film in front of people you know they felt like we get time away from our kids to just be together in Mm -hmm. some way so I thought that was uh, sweet moving on to his second wife played by Nona Gay Mm -hmm. if you don't know this is Marvin Gaye's daughter Makes sense with the last name. Yeah. Who is a tremendous beauty. Please Google Nona Gay if you don't know. Gosh, because she's so pretty. Yes, so pretty. Um, and she has some notable other roles to her name. She also was in Matrix movies. She's mm-hmm. in Crash, um, The Polar Express, <laughs> um, Harlem Nights. She also dated Prince. I mean... To be a nepotism baby, but then just be iconic on your own is, it's not easy, okay? Mm. So, shout out to Nona Gay. I, I really liked Belinda Ali. I feel like if I liked any of his wives, it would be her. Because he, it's, and it sucks too, because he finally got like, okay, here's a woman who is Muslim and yeah. is a part of the nation. I believe Belinda Ali's father had a pretty high-ranking role within the nation of Islam. Mm-hmm. And so she was about that life. But then, like, he's still cheating on her and all this yeah. stuff. So <laughs> it's like, you know, be careful what you wish for, because men don't know what they want. But... um <laughs> I I like the part of her character where she was like trying to help him realize how much the nation of Islam 
was using him and not helping him as much as he thought. Like when he didn't want to be in the Vietnam War, they kind of withdrew mm-hmm. support from him. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't fight and he was, you know, broke of some sort. Yeah. So yeah. those moments, I felt like her character really shined. And then obviously when she goes to Africa and she's like, why you got to embarrass me like this? Um, <laughs> he was like, I don't intend on losing. And she's like, neither do I, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> right. And she had for um, a Muslim woman, she had some outfits too. Like She did. I mean, obviously within the church, she's like full coverage. But then some of her other fits, like she she wears the color like green very well, yeah. which is a difficult color to pull and off. And red. And yes. Yeah. So shout out to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have Miss Veronica Porsche played by Michael Michelle, who is just, I mean, Jada and Nona are beautiful. Michael Michelle is just that like weird, breathtakingly like, like beautiful. <laughs> like you see her and like, you're just like, damn, God has favorites. Um, and I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure with Nona and Jada, you, I would feel that way too. <laughs> but like, yeah. she's like a notch maybe a notch and a half above them and for me at least because I feel like anytime I see her I'm like oh my god like why is she so pretty and Mm -hmm. why does she age well um she to me she's like just been in like things here and there um memorably how to lose a guy in 10 days she's one of the co-workers Matthew bets against about the diamond uh, Mm -hmm. account but all over law and order episodes yeah she's very like tv famous yeah so gorgeous gorgeous blue-eyed beauty i think that's it too it's unfortunately the deadly combo of light skin and light eyes that Mm -hmm. just is you know you can hate on it if you want to but it is kind of like uh, it's a look (laughs) it's a look yes And then just tremendous um, supporting cast. Again, Juan Carlo Esposito. I mean, when is he not great? (laughs) When is he not great? And LeVar Burton, same thing Mm -hmm. as Martin Luther King. But this cast was so well. We've talked about them so much. I know. I know. I know. (laughs) More than any other cast. I'd say we just jump right into Will and the movie. Let's do it. So, like you said, the preparation for this movie, Mm -hmm. okay? Let's just take you through a day of Will Smith pre-filming Ollie, okay? We've got 6, 6, 5 a.m. running five miles a Mm -hmm. day. Then breakfast, Mm -hmm. 10 a.m. to 1 p.m., boxing, technical box stuff. Islamic studies, Mm -hmm. dialect trainings Mm -hmm. for his voice, and then a neurobiologist to help him map his brain to be able to mimic Muhammad Ali's moves in the ring. Then, we're not done yet, weightlifting. After all of that, eight hours a day, six days a week for damn near a year. Like... A lot. And in, in his interviews, he was like, someone was like, how do you like move on from that? And he's like, you don't really like, it's not just a schedule that you can be like, oh, thank God I'm done. Like it, yeah. after doing that for a full year, it becomes so routine. If we know anything about habits, it takes like what, 12 days or something to form a, a, a strong habit with people. And so to go through that every single day, knowing that you were going to be and I I think that was like part of where Will's hesitation to take this role 
kind of like what you had said when we first started recording of like, I hope I, we do this justice. Yeah. He was really nervous about taking this role because, you know, if you fuck up on a Muhammad Ali movie, people are going to remember that. And um, I think he was, yeah, definitely really nervous to take on this role and initially didn't want to do it. But it was the convincing of Michael Mann and Muhammad Ali himself and some other people in his corner that were like, you should really consider doing this and giving it a shot. But yeah, hell Jada was even like, I don't know if you should do this, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this is a lot. If you fuck up the Ollie movie, like, you know, that that is, it could be, like, damn near career suicide almost, you know. Um, well, in the Oprah interview, Oprah is like, I hear that, you know, this this physical shape has uh, altered your sex drive, your sex life. You're calling yourself Willagra, and he's just like, you know, when you're in the top like shape mentally, physically, and you're just like, you know, kind of running on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. A lot of things work faster and better, <laughs> and so I guess he had a really high sex drive at this time um, and was feeling himself. And I feel like. Most people who get into good shape want to show it off and want oh, to like... Oh, rightly so. We see that shit all the time when someone drops some LBs. They want to show it off on Instagram and be like, look at my abs. <laughs> we'll do like a little yeah. mirror selfie. You deserve it. You know what? If you're going through all of that training and shit, like, more power to you. I do want to go back, though, and go back to um, kind of the turmoil of going through with this movie because this movie kind of laid in development hell for more than a decade according to this trivia snippet on imdb and on wikipedia they talk about this too as more like someone i don't know read the article someone got the rights to muhammad ali's life story and then of course you have to like shop or like get a script written shop that around and stuff so that took a long time and then finally around 98 like will was kind of attached to it and hell so many directors possibly could have done this barry one, sonnenfeld almost right i was like <laughs> Which would have been and, such a different movie but it makes sense because him and will kind of had yeah. the this relationship from Men in Black and Wild Wild West, but Wild Wild West was the, uh, uh, no, not this one. You yeah. can't have this one. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. he uh, got unattached. Oliver Stone was someone possibly attached. Um, Norman Jewison was uh, possibly attached. And he notably made The Hurricane with Denzel Washington, which is another fight movie or a boxing movie. Um, and Spike Lee. And I just want to get into this little uh, tidbit here because unironically, I did not know this when we talked about Bagger Vance because I was like, you know, Will took this role. It's very problematic for black people. Spike Lee had a problem with it. And it's an interesting choice for him to go this route compared to like Denzel partnering with a black director telling very black ass stories like Denzel and Spike. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that he kind of had an opportunity to work with Spike Lee and was kind of like, nah. And then Spike Lee was kind of like, nah. Like, I was thrown back by. Mm. Um, According to Spike Lee, you know, it is the final decision 
came down to Will. And so when he met with Will, you know, he asked him, you know, do you think, like, do you think you can broaden your, like, what can you do that would, you know, broaden your perspective on the And he thinks, he says, they felt it would become a narrow militant movie. And so I think the studios were kind of crossing their fingers that he wouldn't go with Spike. But if mm. Will wanted to, he very much could have. And that uh, Michael Mann could deliver a more mainstream movie. And mm-hmm. I think that word mainstream just says so much about that choice. Mm-hmm. And I'm just I'm so curious what an Ali movie would have looked like under Spike Lee and I don't fault Will for choosing to not go that route. And I feel like part of that is just because while Muhammad Ali is super important to black people, he is a global star, you know? So in some sense, I get not wanting to make it just like a black movie, like a Malcolm X movie kind of feels like where, you know, it's, I feel like it's very rare outside of a historical context if non-black people watch Malcolm X just for the movie of it all. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, I just found that so interesting that he didn't want to work with Spike Lee and Spike Lee was like, yeah, this isn't going to work. If that's the question you're going to ask me going into this, then no. Mm-hmm. Like he's not going to choose. So I don't know. I thought that was interesting. But the fact, too, like you said, that Leslie Mann, and, and Will says this, and I, I actually understand his un- point of view, especially when you consider how much he was like, I don't know, this is a big thing for me to do, and there's a lot of pressure, and I don't want to fuck it up. To have someone like Michael Mann, do I keep calling him Leslie? You said it briefly, <laughs> you're just like Leslie Mann, but I think that was in your subconscious. I wasn't going to say anything unless you continue and le- continuously said You're fine. Leslie Mann <laughs> is a director. Uh, to have someone like Michael Mann kind of map out for you, this is how we do this. This is how you become Ollie. You need mm-hmm. to do this. You need to do that. We'll have this person come in and work with you. That level, I think, of detail, I think for taking on something of this magnitude is kind of necessary versus like, I know you're a dope director. I trust your vision. Let's do it. Versus like, I don't know if I could do this. And then some like, yeah, this is what we have to do. You just have to do this, 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 and then we'll be ready. And, Mm. you know, and I feel like maybe that was like the big selling point for Michael Mann Mm -hmm. directing this was that Will felt like, okay, he knows what he wants from me and what I need to do. And like, I feel like Will's a guy who loves an assignment. I like an assignment. Of course. I need clear directions. I need to know what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. Versus like, okay, you do your thing, figure out who Muhammad Ali is, go immerse yourself, watch footage. Right. And I think Michael Mann was like, yes, you're going to watch footage, but you're also going to sit with this neurobiologist and sit in a dark room and watch uh, one move on repeat until yeah. it fucking singes yeah, in your yeah, brain. Yeah, yeah, Because Will Smith, like, it kind of just... A few times in those interviews would kind of just laugh and chalk it up and be like, oh, well, that's Michael Mann. Like, as if that was his directing style, that to go through and watch these um, boxing matches, but not just the entirety of it, but just 
little clips and segments of it so that you really make sure that you not just have like that posture and general mannerism of a person, but that you're, when you step onto camera, people believe you that you're a boxer, that you're not Will Smith. Like their suspension of disbelief is very lowered. Yeah, which is important for someone like Muhammad Ali, who there's tons of footage of, there's tons of documentaries of him. Mm -hmm. And to do a fictionalized portrayal of him you have to make people buy into that otherwise it's like i could go watch the fraser ali fight i could go watch the foreman ali rumble in the jungle i don't need to watch uh will smith pretend to be ali so i think that was super important and i tried to watch like denzel and spike stuff to see them talking about the making of malcolm x to kind of understand maybe the differences creatively that maybe were being offered up and i feel like to me at least i just got the sense that denzel did a lot of work on his own and not necessarily at the direction of spike to Mm -hmm. like do this or that more so like you know it was just again like you have to play malcolm x so do what you need to do to get into character versus like having a laid out plan and a method of execution delivered to you like Michael Mann did. So Mm -hmm. in that regard, at least I feel like, okay, I kind of understand that, but I still am very curious what Ollie Spike Lee joint will be like. So um, I just wanted to squeeze that in there. No, I'm (laughs) glad you did. But yeah, so I mean, besides the physicality of the role, we also get a beautiful jump and this terrible accent from Bagger Vance to a pretty believable Ollie dialect yeah. in this movie. There's lots of footage of um I don't want to say lots, but there are there is footage of Will Smith and Ollie together as they, you know, were filmed on set um for the making of this film. Um and as I, I, there's one clip where it's just kind of Will Smith like boxing for like 10 minutes straight and then you see Muhammad Ali in the back kind of giving him pointers and when Muhammad Ali talks even though he's obviously much older than Will Smith portrays him in the movie their dialect sounds very similar to the point where I had to do a double take and look down at the screen to make sure that it wasn't just like audio clip taken from the movie of Will Smith portraying Muhammad Ali um it did kind of give me some six degrees of separation vibes in terms of how he sounded and um, his so, some of his mannerisms were. But the when, haircut. <laughs> yeah, the, the haircut. But when you listen to Muhammad Ali talking and then you listen to Will Smith in this movie, it's pretty fucking close. And I think that that's really impressive when an actor is able to capture someone's mannerisms, even though you can still look at the actor and say, oh, that's clearly Will Smith. Even though putting on the extra like 35-ish pounds of muscle distorted his face and kind of distorted some of his features a little bit. I said it at the top of the show, I just enjoy when actors really put themselves through this physical and mental manipulation to go through a role. And that 
isn't what makes a good actor. Lots of people are able to be good actors and actresses without having to gain or lose weight or put on these prosthetics or study and fake an accent or pretend to be someone else. Like, you know, there's, you don't have to necessarily do that to get special recognition, but I think not everyone is willing to do that. And I think it's really cool when actors are like, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to do something different for this role. Yeah, it's a game changer. And I feel like it, and again, it's not to diminish those who choose not to do it, but I do think it's like a different level of seriousness Mm -hmm. of the craft because, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think acting super hard in general and then to take it to a level where you're suspending someone's disbelief of like, okay, we know Will Smith as the Fresh Prince, as Mike Lowry in Bad Boys, as Jay in Men in Black, and like believing all those characters, but still also knowing within our minds, oh yeah, that's Will, to a point where it's like, I lose Will and Ollie, I yes. feel like pretty comfortably. And that is what like is like where audiences usually are just like, oh, like, you know, that's yeah. amazing. Like, We've said this before on the show that will smith will smith his way through the role (laughs) yeah could not say that like there weren't instances where i'm like there he is like i was really taken out that it was will smith yeah and i will say like again i don't we'll get to king richard when we get there i think he did that in king richard but i think this is different because we weren't expecting this of him really this was his really like i could do this shit moment whereas once we get to king richard we're like yeah we know Lewis was very <laughs> capable he doesn't um, have much to prove at that point yeah it's just a matter of like is this going to be the one that's going to get him you know the mm. oscar and mm-hmm. whatnot i do want to go back to <laughs> roger and his um his commentary that you know like will is good in this movie like it's not his performance it's the movie and the missed opportunity of kind of telling this side of ollie that we don't know and haven't seen and i think that was probably a big part of this movie to me because i'm trying to think it's kind of like el cantante where it's like you have a biopic of this person and unfortunately i don't know hector Lavoe as well as i kind of knew of ali more but like you have this biopic of this person and you just kind of get the very surface level of them and their problem of like Mm -hmm. okay yes he did these had these very historical moments about the war and then losing his boxing license and fighting to come back in these iconic fights but where is Ali the husband, Ali the father? And like Roger says, like his wives are there, but they're very glossed over. And so where are the moments of him as a person, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And part of me feels like it's just like a man movie where <laughs> we're not going to get that. Like, I I feel like, I, and that's not to shit on men and male directors and whatnot that they would never tell a story like that. But I think it doesn't surprise me that this movie about an athlete is very sports driven and centered around his sports career versus the man 
behind the athlete when you get to people like now, like someone like LeBron, where, you know, they're like, I'm more than an athlete. I can have a, or Kaepernick, I have an opinion about political things and not be told to shut up and dribble. And just like Ali paved the way for them. But getting more beyond just the game or the sport that they play. But like, you know, what are the things that made them come to that decision to stand up and say, hey, no, I'm not going to fight in a war that has nothing to do with me when at home I get treated just as poorly as those people or I'm no better than them. And so... I don't know how much more you could have gone in depth in terms of that, but I would have loved to see like when he was not fighting. That mm-hmm. was like three to four years. And like, yeah, yeah, he was trying to get back to fighting. But I would have loved to see like his home life at that time and to mm-hmm. see how that affected his kids. Like, was he a miserable dad because he's not able to do what he wants to do which is fight and you know be the heavyweight champ was he a miserable husband was he not helpful around the house like stuff like that where it's like those moments of just like wow okay this is who Muhammad Ali as a person was but you know I don't know if we would get that from a male director hmm probably not I mean this definitely is a male-centered point of view movie um, again, I keep on going back to the point that Roger Ebert brought up about, you know, his wives and this, the, because I feel like you can't be one person without the other. Like, although there are multiple aspects to a person's life, those aspects still make up who you are. So yeah, I agree with you. It would have been nice to have seen those moments where Ollie was taking time off of fighting and just putting his time and dedication to learning more about Islam or becoming more connected with the like African heritage of it. But or even like yeah. his relationship with Malcolm, like mm-hmm. the grief that came with that, the guilt that came with yes. that, knowing that he yes. had removed himself from him. Mm-hmm. And then also reckoning with the fact like once he stopped boxing, he also got excommunicated kind of from mm-hmm. the name mm-hmm. and being like shit this is what happened to Malcolm and mm-hmm. I was okay with it then and now they're doing this to me like there had to be feelings about that so like stuff like that to me are like little missed opportunities hell even his relationship towards the end where he's like feeling um whatever Veronica Porsche is like very surface level of mm-hmm. just like oh damn she's damn cool <laughs> like mm-hmm. my wife's not here great let's go mm-hmm. for a walk versus like actually being like okay i could see why like he would be tempted by this woman whereas mm-hmm. it's just like you just just because you can you just doing it like yeah <laughs> and i mean that could be very much true too because he's an athlete so i'm sure that's true but i'm just thinking of moment like I do think they do a good job of, like, his foundation as a child, like, the scene of him watching his father paint this mural of white mm-hmm. Jesus, and you can see in his face that he's just like, something ain't right. <laughs> like, why are, why is he white? And, you know, and then getting on the bus with his father and going to the colored only section and then seeing Emmett Till on the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Like, those are very 
smart moments that didn't take up a lot of time, but gave a lot of like insight into like maybe, you know, him joining Islam and him changing his name in those, you know, pivotal points in his life. In addition to offering perspective of like the time era and history of of his life yeah and i just i feel like there could have been more of that throughout like once he was a box and i'm i'm just thinking of like you know moments in other biopics and again i'm sorry our point of reference is gonna be j-lo but selena just small moments of like her on the bus with her mom and you know talk like her mom rubbing her head that moment when Mm -hmm. she's just talking with her about like her dreams and like wanting a baby Mm -hmm. and even you know when chris comes and brings uh food and she's like you know i want to farm with goats and like those little glimpses of like she's more than just this dancer uh singer entertainer like she was a human being who Mm -hmm. wanted a normal ish life for a family and we got deprived of that and muhammad ali had that but it's like we didn't get to see that Mm-hmm. so i feel like that's that's my only gripe of this movie did you have any like special connections to this movie or any of the characters um i mean i feel like yes and no i will say i remember during black history month i think i was in like third grade um I went to a primarily black and Latino um, elementary school. So Black History Month was actually like a big to do. Like I didn't have a white, I only had a white teacher when I was in middle school. Mm -hmm. And then I had an Asian teacher as a kindergarten teacher. But other than that, I had all black teachers up until then. So, and our principal was black up until like fourth grade, I think, or something. So actually, was it? I don't know what grade it was. It wasn't third grade now that I think about it. I think it might have been fourth. But anyways, we did Black History Month stuff pretty big. Like we had an assembly. Everyone did stuff on their in class, like the front of the hallway, bulletin board, stuff like that. And I remember we did these little gingerbread type men like cutouts of um, historic figures. And so, of course, so many kids did Martin Luther King Jr. and very notable people that are always at the forefront of Black History Month. Mm. And I chose Muhammad Ali. Okay. And so I remember my teacher being like, you know what, good job for you for like not picking somebody that, you know, everyone else is picking or that, you know, is rarely talked about, like going outside of the box a bit. And... I, want, I feel like the, that was around this time of this movie. It had to be. But also, um, I was Layla Ali for Halloween one year. And I feel like that was, it had to be the same year. And I had like some shiny little Adidas shorts. And I wore like my mom's Victoria's Secret robe. And I had like boxing gloves from the flea market. But like, that's what... <laughs> insert picture for <laughs> social media here i don't think i have a picture of Damn that costume. that's not my fault that's my parents i would love to have i am so jealous of these fucking tech babies that are just gonna have their whole fucking Damn. life documented like yeah. good luck with that like 10 terabytes of your life and <laughs> figuring out how to even enjoy all of that content yeah but, yeah you're right but yeah i i f- 
I feel like there are pictures I just like they just weren't important enough to my parents to keep organized and maintain where they are so you know I wish I did but that was a good costume for me to choose to do that um and then I also this movie just reminded me of my dad a lot and I think a lot of black men have this reverence for Muhammad Ali um and that era of uh athleticism and boxing and such and I also remember him I feel like Adidas came out with a line of clothes for Ollie and Cassius Clay stuff and he had a good amount of some of that stuff so I remember stuff like that so that's as as personal as it gets for me (laughs) but pretty pretty cool I feel like Mm -hmm. but yeah what about you unfortunately not um in the same length as you um i'm not someone who's infamously known for knowing a lot about in the sports world in general (laughs) um so but i have known who muhammad ali was obviously prior to this film um and as a teacher let's see my first job after college i worked with a company called girls inc and i did a an after school literacy program and historically girls inc always did or targeted like a specific girls after school like reading writing literacy program and um underserved communities in the Bay Area, East Bay Area. But the year that they hired me, they piloted a boys program. And they're like, sure, Simone, with no teaching experience, like go take these boys uh, from, I worked at at a school in in San Leandro and um, in Oakland as well. And one of the things that we did, we did learn about, like we had like a sports heroes week. And I tried to pick like specifically female athletes um, for them to learn more about. But one of the boys in the program really loved Muhammad Ali and really wanted to make his little book report on Muhammad Ali. But so kind of reminds me of that a little bit. But other than that, not a lot of necessarily personal connections. I saw this movie much later in the than 2001, probably not until about college late high school is when I saw this movie for the first time um but always remembered this as something that stood out to me as a turning point in Will Smith's career and uh when we decided that we were going to do Will Smith for the second season of Roll Call was for sure excited to get to this one in addition to like all of the other classics that he was in but I almost think of this as like a Will Smith classic like but in a different classic than like you would say men in black or wild wild west might be yeah yeah agreed i also feel like muhammad ali is one of those figures in black households that um is definitely like in your pop pop's garage or something like you know his picture like i feel like i've seen throughout my life like always some you know someone has Mm -hmm. a muhammad ali picture um and and two, my dad was almost kind of Muslim in the nation of Islam. I think that too is probably why um, such a big deal 
it maybe in his life a little bit is just because that influence like there's definitely a point where a lot of young black men were looking towards that uh, group and religious group as you know some kind of alternative to the you know very baptist christian type of uh, upbringing probably most of them had so um I think I find that funny more than anything because I was like, ooh, I'm very close to like, mm-hmm. who knows if I would have existed or what my life would have oh. been if um, he like really followed through with that. But uh, but yeah. <laughs> um, are there any plot points you would like to talk about about Ollie? Or um, I know at least not so much plot, but like I thought the cinematography in this was amazing. Mm-hmm. And the sound design and sound effects or whatever. Yes. yes. Yeah. The Specifically the scene where Muhammad Ali goes to Africa. I believe some of the filming was in Mozambique. Am I wrong? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no, you're not wrong. <laughs> you're okay. Wrong. Okay. When he's running through the town and the children are kind of screaming and chanting after him, like that was really impactful. And that they like just kind of on a loop replayed that sound bit over and over um, with with a great like musical overlay, almost like an African chant musical overlay. I I don't know if that's correct to say, but. I, I, that, that's more towards the last like 20, 30 minutes of the movie. Um, that really sticks out to me. But I fucking love Sam Cooke. Sam Cooke is one of my favorite artists of all times. We'll go through and listen to Sam Cooke like throughout the year, not just when I'm feeling in a particular way. Like there are artists that I'll go back and listen to when I'm like in a mood, but yeah, Sam Cooke is both uplifting and also like very impactful as an artist. So this whole musical opening of this movie um, with someone playing Sam Cooke in a nightclub um, and we get twisting the night away, we have change is going to come. We have you send me like it just all of these really wonderful Sam Cooke songs interwoven throughout the movie was really awesome for me to enjoy. Um, great, great soundtrack. Um, but yeah, what about you? Um, I the first thing I noted was the sound choices of the fight between him and Sonny starting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's just like this weird like kind of hum and like these moments of silence and then the camera work too of like alternating from like these wide shots from the audience to like in the ring and then mm-hmm. to like body shots where it looks like you're getting punched. Like you can oh, see yeah, yeah, yeah. the up close action and um, even sound wise later on in the rumble in the jungle fight where, you know, you hear Ollie's stream of consciousness or like him talking to himself, like, mm-hmm. you know, that guy over there will do, will die to win. Like, what are you going to do to win this? And I think that too was a big part of Will's development as he learned how to fight is like, like he talks about the power of taking a punch and then getting back up and like, you feel like a new man and a new person, like, like, okay, I got hit, but I'm still here kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. And, and again, getting into that mindset of like that guy across the ring from you will do anything to win. What are you going to do? as well like are you 
in it to win it? Are you about that life? Are you going to die to, you know, be the champ and stuff like that? Um, and I am so fortunate, too, that my lazy ass decided to not watch this on my iPad in bed or like up in this office studio room. And I went downstairs and I watched it on the big TV Ooh. with the sound bar and I turned up the subwoofer. So there were moments like where the crowd noise, I was like, "Ooh, this is loud. Like, And even the Sam Cooke performance, like it sounded like a fucking concert. Yes. Um, but yeah, those moments of like walking into the arena for the rumble in the jungle where the crowd is like cheering, like I felt like I was there at some okay. point. I was just like, oh my God, this sound is amazing. Like whoever did the sound effects on this, they were nominated for awards. Um, I don't, I think they won something, but not an Oscar. They won something for sound. But that to me, I was like, Okay, I could see like the appeal of this movie, but I do think it's very narrow in terms of like broadly as a kid if I watched this movie, I don't know if it's one of those movies I would have been like, what? That that movie's iconic. Like I mm-hmm. I got to rewatch that and really like understand it and stuff like I would uh uh, Selena, uh, what love's got to do with it, a Temptations movie where it just like seeps into your bones like this person in their story and you're just like, I gotta like, I I like this, I, I like Ollie or you become like a super fan of Ollie from this and I feel like that would happen to boys probably more so than like, you know, girls watching this and Mm -hmm. being enthralled enough by it to be like daddy i want a box like and i just think that's the way that the movie appeals it's just very like i i don't know testosterone heavy like in terms of the sporting aspect of it all the Mm -hmm. mindset stuff Mm -hmm. but i think the sound was amazing so i i can imagine seeing this in theaters and just the dolby thx of it all probably being amazing yeah I did note that um, one thing I do love about sports movies is sometimes the decisions they make in terms of covering like a event we're used to seeing on TV in a different way. Kind of like when we talked about love and basketball, like being inside of their heads, like those moments or those camera switches where it's mm-hmm. like, okay, you kind of get their perspective a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think, again, they did that well. Um Let's see. Oh, there's someone we didn't talk about um, who is an actor in this movie. Leon, because I feel like if Leon's in something, you got to mention him. He Mm -hmm. played um, one of the brothers in Nation of Islam who was talking to the FBI Mm -hmm. and like helping Mm -hmm. set up Malcolm X and stuff. And when I saw him, I was like, ooh, I know he's up to no good. <laughs> like, So shout out to Leon, mm-hmm. legend. Yeah. Um, when I noticed it was John Voight, <laughs> I think it was this toupee scene. And I was like, because I did feel like, I was like, he looks like, do I know this guy? Like, he looks familiar. And mm-hmm. I couldn't put it with the prosthetic. But mm-hmm. I feel like the lifting of the toupee maybe gave me a bit more John Voight. And I was like, oh, that's John fucking Voight. I wrote mm-hmm. that. <laughs> like, it's John I, fucking Voight. Yeah. I was like, it took me obscenely long to notice that it was John yes. Voight. 
Um, I'm a little curious to see what Muhammad Ali champ burgers would have been like. Um, <laughs> reminds me of the Michael Jordan <laughs> burger mm-hmm. that he had with McDonald's mm-hmm. and George Foreman and his grill and stuff. Call me George Foreman because I'm selling everybody grills, baby. Yeah. And I'm kind of proud that Muhammad Ali never really sold out in yeah, that way. Yeah, I agree. Um, not to shit on the Foreman girl because no, everybody no, no. had but one. that was like post retirement. This was when he was like in like not in prison, but just like in that waiting period where he was kind of banned from boxing. He was obviously losing money. He's not like winning fights and stuff. So he's just going off of what he had. Um, Bundini had apparently sold his like heavyweight champion belt to either not make money for Muhammad Ali, but just like for himself to fuel his addiction. So uh, there was definitely a temptation to want to start a burger chain or a restaurant chain. And I agree. I'm kind of glad he didn't. Not to say that other people who have were a sellout, but when you make these decisions, you want to make sure that it's not because it's this like desperate cash grab. It's that, but it's like a smart choice on your career. Yeah. Plus with two, like with being Muslim, there's like certain limitations and stuff with diet. I mean, burgers are okay, but you can't eat pork. You can't drink alcohol. They're very clear about that. And so, you know, who knows how much he would have been able to like stay within his religious right. Yeah. Like Bundini said, um, yeah, he can give up pork, but white women. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. Which <laughs> I just was like, oh. Okay. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's the point where I was like, fuck him. <laughs> As that character. He was slimy. So. Very, very slimy. Yeah. Um, I do want to go back to, and this could be like maybe one of the last points if there's nothing else, but I do want to go back to Lil Raj again. And he was talking about the scene of him running through the village and how long it was and how, you know, maybe it could have been shorter and um, and that it seemed like one of those shots, you know, you get when you're filming and then, you know, you whittle down in editing and it wasn't necessary. And I mm-hmm. would like to politely disagree mm-hmm. from this side of uh, life. <laughs> And I I disagree because one of my notes is, you know, that him running through the village with the people is a beautiful illustration of how, as a Black person, when your success has become so big, it becomes also this hope and inspiration for so many others. And I think that maybe that was lost on Roger a little bit because... I don't know. Watching that, I just, I was kind of like, oh, something's going to happen to him. (laughs) Like, I was Mm -hmm. waiting for, you know, somebody to, like, Tanya Harding him or something like that. But um, to just the buildup, I feel like, of that and then him, like, veering off the path, leaving his handlers behind who are on these, like, little golf carts. Like, oh, my God, where's he going? Go back. (laughs) Yeah, turn around, turn around. And, you know, he's running, he's following these kids who are chanting his name, Ali, 
Bumbaye, like, which mm. means Ali kill him, <laughs> um, which he founds out when he gets off the plane. But the buildup of that and then the buildup of, like, seeing just, like, the conditions that this country and these people are living in. And despite that, like, how interested they are in him and to see the drawings of him on the buildings and yeah the, the murals yeah. yeah and you know to see like there was a young man who looked like i think like his arm was disabled or something but he like goes up and he's like play boxing with him mm-hmm. to see like that impact of who ali was in his image i think is part of maybe the choice and the beauty in picking michael mann over spike lee because i did note that i feel Mm. like spike lee like i don't i personally don't mind him being blacky black with ali and like the islam and the malcolm x and the militant portion of it and his choice to not go in the war but i do wonder if it would have been very uh, african-american and not so global. And I think that part in the village is really what showcases his global impact, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I just thought that was a really beautiful part. Do I think it could have been shorter? Maybe, but I think what it conveyed is too important to care how long it is in mm-hmm. some ways. Mm-hmm. Um And at one point too, like Ali is running, he's in like a sweatshirt and I don't know if it got dingier as like he was running or whatever, but he kind of blended in at one point. And I felt like that was really beautiful too, because it's like he could have easily been one of those people, you know, given history and whatnot circumstances, Mm -hmm. like he Mm -hmm. wasn't that much different from them in terms terms of looks whereas like maybe you know if if he was just rolling around in a rolls royce and like a suit and he's like oh yeah let me stop and say hi to wave to the people there's this disconnect whereas you know he's just amongst them and you can tell too he looks like he gets overwhelmed and like that was a beautiful acting part on Will's behalf of mm-hmm. him, like, you know, soaking in all that attention and love and the chanting and stuff. And it builds up, too, to the fight and his, like, goal of being heavyweight champion is not so much just about him. You know, it's about all these kids and people who are, you know, rooting for him. And that fight was only televised in in Zaire, in the dictator's house. Nobody else got to see that fight on TV in Africa except, or in that country, except for the dictator. I mean, I'm sure that stadium was full, so I'm Mm -hmm. sure people went to see it. But I can only imagine, you know, having this huge figure come and fight there and, you know, you can't go, maybe you can't go to the fight, maybe you can't watch it, but he's running through your village and that's like, oh my God. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I felt like that was um, another maybe Roger Ebert is not for the culture <laughs> moment. It just kind of went over him. Yeah. So that, and that's the part of like where I understand where Spike Lee's like, you know, we have to tell our own stories and stuff like that. But at the same time, I think sometimes when we tell our own stories too, we only look again our point of view and that's not 
always the point of view that's that is going to do well or appeal to the most people. And that's not to say that that doesn't need to happen. But sometimes broadening that point of view is also beautiful in some mm-hmm. way. So mm-hmm. my long-winded Ali <laughs> takes. But I also like, like this movie's rated R mostly for the language. Um, and there's some blood when you go through a film about boxing. You get hit in the face, you get hit in the ribs. Like there's going to be some nasty cuts and blood and stuff. Um, but I appreciated that this film also didn't like grotesquely go into some of the injuries that boxers may sustain during this time although i don't know if this is just of who muhammad ali was or his personality but towards the end of the film um some of the conversations and like mannerism stuff not that you can it's not so much the parkinson's as it is the like physical toll that boxing will take on someone's health and brain after a while you sustain multiple concussions and um in between each fight you definitely want to have that time of respite and recovery and so i think by the end of the movie even though Ali wins against George Foreman. They're almost 10 years apart at that point. Um, I think Foreman was 25 and Ali was 33. Um, And so, but you you can obviously see like the strain that Muhammad Ali is going through to to win this fight. So I don't know. I, I appreciated the cinematic like pieces that the movie wanted to focus on and and what a beautiful thing it is to be captured by the story. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really don't have a snack or cocktail for this movie. <laughs> I feel like maybe like just a nice like something over the rocks, like at that Sam Cook concert, <laughs> like you know, just enjoy a very nineteen sixties cocktail. Mm-hmm mine is i was thinking about looking up a specialized cocktail for this one but i remembered that there we all know float like a butterfly sting like a bee is muhammad ali's like main catchphrase and there is a cocktail out there called the bee's knees and so it's a prohibition era style cocktail that's going to be mine for this movie and it's gin lemon juice and honey which is shaken and poured with ice um so it's served chilled in a martini glass and um often served with like a little lemon twist on there and for snack i'm going like mixed nuts i feel like when you yeah (laughs) i feel like you need something high calorie high fat high protein that's gonna get you through uh boxing rounds originally i was thinking oh maybe like a protein shake or something but i'm going i'm going bee's knees and some mixed nuts some pistachios okay okay i um i will say that i feel like peanut would also fit with this like shelling yes like peanuts it reminds me of my uncle Ernest. so i don't know <laughs> maybe peanut um but yeah i like a gin cocktail i was thinking something like gin too mm. also something my grandpa and his brothers drank a lot of so yeah i'm just gonna go with them gin and peanuts that was something i remember about them so <laughs> Mm-mm-mm. Do you think this movie holds up to today if it was made in 2022? Like I do. I really do. 
think it holds up. I don't know, kind of like this movie, if we need another uh, Ollie movie. I know that there is What Happened in Miami, which is directed by, and I think written by, but for sure directed by Regina King. Mm -hmm. And it features um, Sam Cooke, Muhammad Ali, and Malcolm X and their friendship and like Mm -hmm. the night before one of Ollie's fights, they all get together and hang out. I feel like I'm missing somebody. Like, there's somebody else. Okay, all right. so what was the movie? Stick that right with Legend of Badger Vance and Leslie <laughs> Mann. Because I cannot get it right. It is One Night in Miami, not What Happens in Miami. And what Happens in Miami. <laughs> one Night in Miami um, features Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, Jim Brown, mm. and uh, Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay. And so it's this like one night sort of film. Beautifully shot. Surprised it didn't win anything, but... Um, when was I that feel made? Like, I feel like I would love to. I, I haven't 2020, seen it. Well, 2020, it was on Prime. I think it's still on Prime. Oh, I, okay. I remember when this, okay. Yes, I have memory of it. I haven't seen it, but I remember hearing about it. That's on my watch list. Yes. And I'm, I am one of those black people who are like, oh, I don't really want to watch like anything too deep and, you know, civil rightsy. But I think this movie was kind of fun, interesting way to capture like these different, very important men in some aspects in the civil rights movement. You have obviously Malcolm X at the forefront, but seeing the toll that these events and things were taking on someone like a singer like sam sam cook yep and jim brown is also another athlete who spoke up before it was just expected and cool to do so and you know him as well um and muhammad ali and seeing these men hang out with each other and also kind of uh have fun and dick around and whatnot but also fiddle with like you know these moments in life of like what are we doing you know what's happening how much do we have a say and contribute to this and their roles that you know people expected of them kind of so i really enjoyed it um but that's again a movie where you have malcolm x and muhammad ali and i i brought that up because it's like it's a movie that features these four men mm-hmm. and they're all important but like i like stuff like that that's like i want to tell this snippet of something cool that happened with these pivotal figures but we don't have to do a full-blown biopic again yes. on it's Malcolm like X. a 20 minute window period told over like an hour and a half to two hour movie I, yeah, I like I like movies like that, too, where it talks about a short window of time, but, like, tells a full story about the friendship and connections yeah. between the characters. And I'm thinking, too, that bringing up this movie is just that, you know, sometimes with biopics, you get, like, a good enough one. Like, how I feel about Selena, the series. Like, the... The movie is strong enough that we didn't need this series. There was there was stuff that the movie missed out on because it's a fucking movie. There's only so much time. But like, I feel like the performances weren't like 
somehow elevated or the production wasn't elevated enough to warrant the series mm-hmm. and i feel like with biopics like ollie it's like sure like i'm curious what a spike lee ollie movie would look like and sure it could be again there are things that this movie didn't do that could be done but at the same time i feel like you know this guy is kind of just synonymous with what we have expected of a biopic of Ollie. So why really torture someone to come behind him and try to re up that in some kind of way. And despite this movie having these similar characters, you know, the actors who played them, I wasn't like, oh, he can't do Ollie because he's not Will Smith or like Will Smith did Ollie better or Mm -hmm. um, Denzel Mm -hmm. did Malcolm X better. Like I actually was impressed by this, but I think that's because it's the beauty of just like this small snippet of time and this like well-rounded cast and like a different aspect of these Ugh. men that we didn't see before. Yeah, sorry. I'm just looking at the the cast. <laughs> the cast. I love Leslie <laughs> Autumn Judy. <laughs> yeah, he's Sam Cooke in yes. One Night in Miami. Yes, yes, yes. That makes me want to see it even more because, again, I love Sam Cooke. And if, he, if, if Leslie sings in this... He does. Fuck! <laughs> he is a voice that I will listen to and will just weep because it's rare to have a voice that's just so pure without having to riff and go. Now this is just the. <laughs> this is just a different show, so I'm gonna stop. But anyways, yeah. God damn. Okay, so I. Okay, cool, 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 cool. So this it is... holds up. Don't yeah. make another holds Ali. Up, holds up. Holds up. Holds up. We will watch this later. I will watch this later. Yeah. Um. Yeah. That's about it. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this mini rounds of Ali episode. And to the people who've stuck with us so far, please come back for another episode of the Don King version of Inside the Actor Studio. <laughs> <laughs> if you like us enough, seriously, though, to stick around, dust off your gloves. Take another deep dive down this IMDb rabbit hole with us as we discuss Will Smith in our first sequel in the series, baby. We're going to be doing Here Come the Man in Black Part (laughs) 2. That was great. (laughs) And on that note, if you've got nothing better to do, go figure out a theme to watch a bunch of movies you've never seen. I am your host, Simone. Subscribe to this blessed mess. Hey, and if you, even though Lil Raj didn't agree with our opinions this week, but you still think that our merch is kind of cool, subscribe to this blessed mess. Find our fucking shit on Redbubble. It's fun. And I promise that the proceeds are going to go to nothing but furthering our craft in the podcast world. And I'm your host, Bria, and it would be awesome for you to wipe off those bloody boxing fingers, you know, and give us a review. Follow us at Roll Call Pod on Instagram, TikTok, my favorite Twitter. Also check out our episodes on YouTube. And this has been another episode of Bing Bing TKO Roll Call and cut. <laughs> <laughs>